is continuing in our epistle lesson from Acts 2, starting in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. People of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young people shall see visions, and your old shall dream dreams, both men and women, all people in those days. I will pour out my spirit upon, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, Holy Spirit, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you, our rock, our redeemer, and the spirit with us always. Amen. Our children, K through second grade, can now be dismissed for children's worship. There is a type of scene in movies and TV shows that screenwriters have begun to call the unexpected visitor scene. Whether it's in chick flicks or dramas, Disney movies, comedies, action, horror movies, or anything in between, the unexpected visitor scene is a classic part of entertainment today. For instance, one of people's all-time favorite unexpected visitor scenes is when Cousin Eddie shows up. He shows up unannounced at the Griswold family Christmas in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And when he sees his cousin Eddie at the door, Clark Griswold says, If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be any more surprised than I am right now. (laughs) Remember that scene in Mrs. Doubtfire? When Mrs. Selner, the court liaison, shows up at Robin Williams' apartment looking for Danny, but Danny is dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, and so in a frantic moment of desperation, Mrs. Doubtfire plants her face into a cake inside the refrigerator just seconds before Mrs. Selner walks into the kitchen. 
And as the meringue face mask drops off and dollops into Mrs. Selner's cup of coffee, Mrs. Doubtfire says, As you can see, my dear, I can't stay with you. My face is melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. I'll go get Danny. The unexpected visitor scene. It happens all the time. Like when Mr. Darcy shows up to ask for Elizabeth's hand in marriage. Just about every time Kramer enters the room on any episode of Seinfeld. It's when Gandalf shows up at Helm's Deep in The Lord of the Rings. When George shows up at the end of My Best Friend's Wedding, assuring Julianne, played by Julia Roberts, that life goes on. And by God, there will be dancing. It's the scene when the private investigator, Milton Arbogast, shows up at the Bates Motel looking for a missing girl, and Norman Bates begins to panic in the thriller Psycho. Or when the fairy godmother appears, and with a bippity-boppity-boo, she sends Cinderella off to meet Prince Charming at the ball. What's so intriguing to me is the way that we are all captivated by the unexpected visitor scenes. As scriptwriter Noel Buffman puts it, no matter its placement, the unexpected visitor scene is an opportunity to show the true personality of a character. How does that character react in a stressful, unexpected situation? Or an awkward one. (laughs) Does the character take advantage of the opportunity or shy away from it? Well, today's text, and really this entire day, is kind of like the unexpected visitor scene in the church's liturgical calendar. This is a day like none other. When the Holy Spirit shows up and completely crashes the disciples' party. Now, just verses earlier in the text we discussed last week, Jesus tells the disciples that this is going to happen. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you all are going to be my witnesses all across the earth. But then Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are really not sure what Jesus meant by all of this or What in the world is supposed to happen now? And like many of us do during times when we are unsure of what's going to happen next, this time of unknowing leaves the disciples afraid. And like many of us tend to do when we are anxious or afraid, the disciples cling toward what feels most familiar and safe. And so Acts 2 begins, as Justin read, saying that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They cling to sameness, to comfort, and to familiarity, to what they already know and who they already know, because they're afraid. Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber points out that they actually do have reason to be afraid, but maybe not for the reasons that they would think. They were in danger, those first disciples, she says, but the danger they were in as they all sat together in one place was from a God who is about to crash the party 
and bring in everyone else that they were trying to avoid. Suddenly, this violent wind rushes through the house. Tongues of fire rest on each of their heads. They begin to speak to one another in different languages. Soon, this crowd of people gathers outside, and they are amazed and astonished and ask each other, what in the world is going on? Of course, pretty quickly, people begin to make up their own theories about what's going on. We're really good at that, aren't we? Until Peter finally steps in and identifies this unexpected party crasher. He says, what you see and hear today means that God's spirit is here. And Peter goes on to tell them in this text we just read that Pentecost is an invitation to get outside of our comfort zones and to follow God into uncharted territory, to dream dreams, to bring in new people we've never considered before, because the Spirit challenges us to venture outside of our circles of sameness and familiarity and to be willing to follow God into the unknown. The question that I believe the screenwriters of the New Testament spend the rest of the Bible answering is, how do the disciples respond to this unexpected visitor? When the Holy Spirit is unleashed upon them, when the disciples' party is crashed and they can't do the same things they've always been doing anymore, when they are confronted with this reality that the community of God is so much bigger and so much more expansive and more diverse than they understood before, what are they going to do next? And maybe an even better question is, how will you and I respond when we are confronted with the same? Nadia Boltz-Weber tells a great story about a time when her church in Denver, Colorado, began receiving some unexpected visitors. Now, if you're not familiar with her work, you need to know that Nadia is probably the edgiest pastor I've ever met. Like, I could never be as cool as Nadia Boltz-Weber is. And her church attracts people who would likely never step foot in the doors of another church. And she says, we loved this about ourselves and our unique, edgy little church until one summer when we started having middle-aged people driving in from the suburbs. (laughs) And she said, we didn't know what to do with that. (laughs) She writes, these were people who wear Dockers and eat at Applebee's. We were a special kind of church. We made artwork and worship and sang a cappella and we sat in the round each week. And I started to resent that my precious little indie boutique kind of church was turning into more of a 7 Eleven. I was terrified, she says, that the more marginalized people who we had always attracted would now come and see a bunch of people who looked like their parents and think to themselves, well, this obviously isn't the place for me. So Nadia called a church meeting to talk about the growth and demographic changes that they were experiencing. She said, my hope was that the people who had been around from the beginning would come and just say who they are and what the church had always been about And then that the new people who really 
didn't belong here would self-select out, (laughs) realizing that this church is actually not meant for them. Well, the time for the meeting came, but Nadia was completely caught off guard when one of the teenagers in the group was the very first to speak up. They said, you know, as the young transgender kid who was welcomed into this community, I just want to go on record as saying that I'm so glad there are people at my church now who look like my mom and dad. Because I can have a relationship with them that I can't have with my own parents right now. And I just want to say how glad I am about that. A year later, Nadia wrote, we are actually stronger now as a church. Because now you can look around and on any given Sunday, I think... I am unclear about what any of these people actually have in common. (laughs) Because in one corner of your eye, you see a homeless guy serving communion to a corporate lawyer. And out of the other corner is a teenage girl with bright pink spiky hair holding the baby of a suburban soccer mom. And there I was a year ago fearing that the weirdness of our church was going to be diluted. She finally says this. You see, the Spirit of God hasn't changed. Just like that first Pentecost, God still says yes to all of our polite no thank yous. God still crashes our parties and invites in the very people we are trying to avoid. Because the radical and mysterious and dangerous thing the Spirit does has always been to form us into the body of Christ. Sometimes despite us, sometimes against us, but always for us. Because it's only the Spirit who can turn us from a they into a we. You know, I'm mindful that here at Highland, a lot of us might feel like a they instead of a we right now. We are consistently having large numbers of new folks join us every single week, and we are so glad you're here. We are a better and fuller community because of new perspectives and the energy and passion that you bring. But I also know it's intimidating to step foot into a new church, and it takes time to find your footing, to find your people. And then right now we have folks who are coming back from COVID for the first time. Folks we haven't seen for several years and we're so glad you're back. But we recognize that the church looks very different than it did when you were here a few years ago. And maybe you're trying to find your spot at Highland now. And then we have others who are looking around thinking, I don't know anyone Anymore. I used to feel like I knew everybody, and I don't feel known either. I wonder if the question of Pentecost is, will this new season lead us, like the first disciples, to huddle back into our old circles of sameness and familiarity? 
Will we be all together in the same place? Or will we follow the winds of the Spirit outside of our comfort zones to encounter God in new people and in new ways? And when we are given the opportunity to meet new people, will we actually do it? Psychologists Paul Ingram and Michael Morris wanted to do a research project about how we actually go about meeting new people and what drives us to do that. So they planned a mixer in New York City, and they invited a wide range of people of all different types of professions. And about 100 different people came. They were interviewed before the party, and all of them emphasized that their purpose in coming to this event was to meet new people, to build new relationships, and to expand and diversify their social networks. But what they did when they came to this party was the exact opposite. Thanks to a digital tracker that each attendee had been given to wear, scientists were able to watch exactly where they went that night and with whom they chatted during the party. And these trackers revealed that when they arrived at the party, they made a beeline for the people in the room that they knew already. (laughs) They stayed close to them all night long. And if they did meet a stranger, they did so because these strangers were actually friends of friends. So as a result, their new acquaintances almost always tended to be from the same industry and line of work. They hadn't diversified their social network at all. Of course, it's human nature for us to want to spend time with our friends, right? But what was so surprising about this research is that people said they intended to do the opposite. But even when we want to move toward diversity, more often than not, we will move toward comfort and familiarity instead. Another study actually looked at the way that college students form friendships on different size college campuses. So researchers went to lots of different campuses and sought out pairs of students and asked them about their friendships. Now, larger campuses and universities offered far greater ranges of views and lifestyles of folks than smaller colleges and thousands more people to choose from to be a friend. And so you would think that the friendships at large college campuses would be more diverse But actually, the opposite was true. On smaller campuses, people made friends with people very different from them because they were forced by circumstance to befriend people at least somewhat different from themselves. Maybe they shared a dorm room. Maybe they were in the same class. They shared the same small cafeteria. And they made those friendships work. The friendships at the smaller colleges were actually closer and they lasted longer than those at the larger universities. On the larger campuses, with so many different people to choose from, students were able to seek out their ideological twins. The overwhelming result was that when they were offered a wider choice of friendships, Students at larger schools almost always chose sameness. Highland, we're all human, just like these research participants. 
I'm mindful that for many of us, the very pews in which we are sitting this morning can function as spaces of comfort and familiarity. Most of us sit in the same place with the same people just about every week. In fact, when I was meeting many of you here in the sanctuary, you would often point and you would say, that's where I sit with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And Phil Collier, I've got to say, you threw me off this morning because you're on a completely different side. (laughs) Most of the time, we are no different than the disciples who were all together in the same place on that very first Pentecost. And yet, just like what happened on that first Pentecost... I believe that that same Spirit of God continues to call us out of sameness and into a kind of community that is so much more diverse and more expansive than any of us could ever imagine, and we are all better for it. Because who knows? The unexpected visitor in the room this morning might be exactly who you need to meet Or perhaps you are precisely who they need as part of the family of God for them in this place. Because it's not just about you or me, it's about we. You see, the radical and mysterious and dangerous thing that the Spirit does has always been to form us into the body of Christ. Sometimes despite us, sometimes against us, but always for us. Because it is only the spirit who can turn us from a they into a we. And so may we follow her lead, dear church. Because I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see what wild and crazy things she leads us to do next. Amen. As is our tradition each week, we want to invite you to respond to whatever the Spirit might be nudging or prompting you to do this morning. And yeah, that may feel wild and crazy, but that's welcome here. (laughs) Whether you want to share a decision to follow Jesus with us, to be baptized, to become part of this community of faith where we try to lean into the wild and crazy whisperings of the Spirit together, we would love to welcome you today. And I truly believe that we are a better and fuller and more whole community because of you. And so you are welcome to come. Our ministers will be here at the front to receive you.